The reading will be Ephesians 4, 1-16, which can be found on page 1175 in the Church Bibles. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called one hope when you were just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Lord and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us in grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says he who ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measures of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is at the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows itself up in love, as each part does its work. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much for reading that, and do please keep it open. We're on page 1175, and let me uh, add to what James has said. You really are very welcome here at Trinity Church this afternoon. It's great to see you. My name is Jeremy. I'm one of the ministers here at Trinity, as we'll see later on, one of the many ministers here at Trinity Church Islington. Well, we're going to come to that part of Ephesians in just a second, but before we do that, I'd love to pray. So please do join me as I pray. Let's pray together. that part of Ephesians, from Jesus, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Father God, we want to pray uh, very simply that as the local church, as the body of Jesus, that we would be growing closer to him as we are built up in love. Please, Father, please equip every single one of us to be doing the work that you've called us to do. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Uh, well, where are we going as a church? That's a, that's a reasonable question, isn't it, to ask ourselves. Um, perhaps you've been coming here for a while and you wonder what the plan is. Uh, what's our mission? What are we aiming for? How are we going to grow and build our church? It's a good thing to ask, isn't it? Uh, we put around, we put together a report a few years ago. Uh, that's still doing the rounds. Uh, it doesn't anticipate COVID, but apart from that, 
It's got some great ideas in it. There's a, a course called the Grow Course that you can go on, uh, which is all about building your church. There's some good books that you can buy. Church growth is an area where people uh, write books. Uh, which is the best thing to listen to? Well, the best of the Apostle Paul is the book of Ephesians. Uh, and he calls us to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. That's his command at the beginning of chapter 4. And you, you might think to yourself, well, is that, is that a smart goal? Is, it, um, is that clear and achievable? Uh, well, in Paul's mind it is. In Paul's mind it is. That is God's plan for his church. Uh, Paul's already sketched out in, in chapters 1 to 3 God's master plan, his, his big love story. And uh, God's plan is that in a world which is fatally divided between, um, sometimes between old and young, between left and right, between majority and minority ethnicities, between traditional and progressive people, in a world that's split down so many fault lines that, that God should, what does it say in chapter 1 verse 10? Have a look back at that, just turn back a page. This is chapter 1 verse 10. This is God's astonishing plan in a world which is riven with fault lines. God's plan is that he should bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. That is God's master plan for the world. You know, we, we think Christianity is all about me and Jesus, and uh, it, it exists on that plane, absolutely, but it's much, much bigger than that. So much bigger than that. And because um, that is God's plan for us, then we're to show that to the world. It's God's plan for the universe, and it's God's plan for us, and we're to show that to the world. It's like a, a butterfly squish diagram. Have you ever seen one of those? I grew up in a tiny tiny village. I was sent to a tiny primary school. Uh, there was a, 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 a tiny art room. And this is what we used to do. Okay, a butterfly squish diagram. I'm going to make one for you right now. You'll probably see one. There's one up on the screen already. Okay, it's quite straightforward, really. Um, you just get your different color paints. I've got some paints here. Um, and uh, you squish them on one side. There you are. Can you see, can, can you see what I'm doing here? Um, a little bit like Rob Harris. Um, Good. A bit of green, I think. Um, there we are. And then uh, it's the butterfly squish diagram. Excellent. And then, uh, as the name suggests, the fold in half and you squish it. I don't know whether this is going to look like a butterfly or not. Uh, it might be. There you go. Not really. Okay, thank you, though. Thank you. Perhaps uh, I'll put that down. Okay. So you put paint on one side and you squish it down, and then the whole point is both sides match, just like a butterfly. Okay. And, and in the book of Ephesians, then, the ideas and the words in, in chapters 1 to 3, God's big plan for the world, match the words and ideas in, in chapters 4 to 6, which is God's plan for the church, because the church is to be the, the shop window of God's big plans. Yeah? 
It's to be like the show home we said the other day. So um, chapter 2, verse 16, the one body of Jesus, part of God's plan, comes up again in chapter 4, verse 4, the one body in the church. Yeah. Or um, chapter 2, verse 18, the one spirit, part of God's big plan, matches chapter 4, verse 4, the one spirit that unites us in the church, you see. All the ideas from God's massive plan to unite everything under Jesus, which is explained to us in chapters 1 to 3, are to be expressed in our daily lives in the church. The two sides are to match. In other words, the church is the show home of God's big project, the two match. And that's why we said the other day, the powers and authorities, the sort of spiritual powers in the universe, see us and panic. Because what they see in the church matches God's big plan. We've been united, it's, it's begun, and so it's only a matter of time before God's big plan comes about in its entirety. So what's the big plan at church? It's for us to live lives worthy of the calling that we've received. God has made us his people, and now we're to live as his people and show God's brilliance to a watching world. But how we do that comes in chapter 4, verses 2 to 16, and we're going to dig down into that in two sections, and we're going to call the first section this. We're to keep the unity that Christ has given us. We're to keep the unity that Christ has given us. Uh, keeping the unity, that's um, the key in verse 3. Can you see that? That's the bottom line in verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We're, we're not creating unity, we're keeping unity the unity that we've already been given. God has already brought us together. Now we're to make sure that we don't fall apart. The problem is that we're just so aware of our differences. Um, we walk into church with kids and it feels like we're the only ones. We're, we're, we're an introvert and it, and it feels like other people have much more to say than us. You're struggling for money and it feels like everyone else has more than enough to get by on. We notice the difference. Now Paul says, notice what joins you. Notice what joins you. Verse 4, look at that. One body, one spirit, one hope. Verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Verse 6, one God and Father. Seven things, the Bible's number perfection, you are perfectly joined. And we can see that in our experience, can't we? Uh, so when Robert Toby come and join us from New York, um, or Magician Faith come and join us from South Africa, or Viv comes to join us from Australia, they, they, they walk in through the door as Christians, and we find out straight away there is so much that joins us even though they've come from the other side of the world. So, so what's the experience that's most changed you uh, in your life? 
Uh, it's not um, marriage or parenthood. It's not growing up in a single parent family or qualifying as a lawyer. It's, it's the one hope that you have, the, the destination that you're longing for more than anything else. It, it's, it's the one law, the person you do anything for, Jesus Christ. It's the one faith, what you put your confidence in above anything else. Look around you, so have other people. If you share the one Father, then you are, by definition, brothers and sisters. Verse 6. And that is what matters most. We're to see people at a deeper level, not just on the surface. Because we're deeply joined by Him. And so with my um, sister, Laura. A few of you have met Laura, haven't you, I think? Uh, my sister. Um, she's been to church here uh, a few times. People say that she looks a bit like me, which I worry will set her back in life. But um, when I'm introducing her, you know, when I'm introducing her, I don't say, here's Laura, she's a social worker. Um, I say, here's Laura, she's my sister, because that's what matters most. And, and God's master plan is to make one people. You remember that triple togetherness in chapter 3? Heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. That, that was one side of the squishy butterfly, if you like. And so we're now to hold on to that unity in the church. That's what we're to do. How then do we stop things falling apart? Well, that's where verse 2 comes in, you see, verse 2. Have a look down at that. This is what it says. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Completely humble. You know, pride focuses on the areas where I feel that I'm strong. Uh, never you notice on the areas where you know that you're weak. And... Um, you know, if I'm proud of being a practical person and, I, and I'm putting away tables and, and you're chatting with someone, I'll think that person needs to be more like me. They need to stop chatting and they need to help. Now, maybe I'm proud of being a people person and I'm talking to someone and you're putting away tables. I think to myself, that person needs to be more like me to talk to people and leave the tables till later. Be completely humble, says Paul. You weren't saved by works, chapter 2, so you can't boast. Humility works itself out in gentleness. Instead of criticism comes kindness. And if you keep doing that in the long term, that becomes patience. Verse 2, it's all summed up as bearing with one another in love. The kind of love that we fell on our knees and begged God to be able to understand in chapter 3. Remember? That kind of thing. And whenever we come under pressure as a church, then all our differences are going to come to the fore. Different fears, different strengths, different sensitivities. But we must not let those differences divide. Because they're nothing compared with what joins us. Now the Paul book the reason that Paul says make every effort is that he knows it's not going to be easy. And um, maybe there's someone here that we're fuming angry with. 
Christ on this rock. Um, keep humble and gentle. Pray for God's mighty power to help you grasp the love of Jesus. And ask for the ability to mirror God's amazing plan. Go and talk to a trusted friend this week if, if your heart is full of criticism. Because the stakes are high. Stakes are high. We're to be the show house of God's plan. We're to match up with what God is doing in the whole universe. When, when we fall out with each other, it's not just a shame. You know, it, it, we're being unworthy of our calling. We're smashing up the show house. We don't want to do that. We're to keep the unity that Christ has given us. Well, we read those verses, verses 1 to 6, and we think, how does this actually work? And God says how it works in, in verses 7 to 16. This is the, or any other point, the second point. From verses 7 to 16, we're to use the gifts Christ has given us. So have a look at verse 7. This is what Paul writes to the Ephesian church. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Each one of us. There, there isn't a Christian here today who has been left out. We've been given grace. But this isn't saving grace. This is serving grace. Grace to serve. And you can tell that from the end. Uh, chapter 4, verse 16, it says, uh, From him, that's Jesus, the whole body, that's the church, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You know, Jesus is the source of growth. It all begins with him. But the whole body grows as each part works. That means that if, if you're not serving in some way, that you're a growth inhibitor. Verse 7, Christ has given grace to each one of us so that, verse 16, each one of us can play our part. You know, we, we hear about this unity and we think, how on earth can we keep that unity? It seems like an impossible task. But then, in, in verses 7 to 16, we find that Jesus equips us for that. And in, in, in verses 8 to 10, it's like he's a conquering king. And... Um, he descended when he came to earth. See? Um, he descended to the lower earthly regions, verse 9. Uh, and then he ascended, verse 10, when he broke out of the grave and he went to heaven in victory. And so like a king who comes back from winning a battle, he, he, he gives presents. Like um, like Aslan in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. We saw that recently, actually, at the, at the, at the theatre. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And um, I forgot that Father Christmas makes an appearance in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It came as a, came as a total shock to me. But he brings presents from Aslan. Do you remember that? And he gives them to Peter, Susan, and Evans, and Lucy. Uh, he gives a sword and a shield and about an arrow and a thorn to summon help and a cordial. He gives to Lucy that heals people. Do you remember that? In the same way, this conquering king brings gifts. And he gives us gifts as a church for the way ahead. 
adopted by the kids in that story. Now, but the gifts themselves might be a little bit surprising. It's not, it's not your average sort of pairs of socks and a woolly jumper. Verse 11, he gives, he gives people. You see that? Jesus gives the church apostles and prophets. They were the ones in chapter 2 on whom the church is built. They declare the truth of the gospel. Uh, and then Jesus gives the church, chapter 4, verse 11, evangelists, people who will call people to the gospel. And then Jesus gives the church, well, it's probably meant to be one word, pastor, teachers, people who teach the gospel into every corner of our lives. What does Jesus give from his immense riches, from his bounty, from his treasure? He gives people, people who will pastor his church by teaching. That is a hugely important principle. We are pastored by being taught. But then comes the heart of it. And, and when I first understood this passage, I suddenly realized what church was for, I think, when I first read this passage. Uh, why I needed to be at church on a Sunday afternoon. I think I realized that for the first time. Because you would think that it's the pastor-teachers who are going to bring unity and growth to a church. And if you can get just the right pastor-teacher, probably your church attendance will, will go through the roof. you become a more healthy church. You'd think that, wouldn't you? But it turns out they're only a tiny part. Because their job is to equip everyone in the church to bring about unity. Can you see that? Verse 13. What's your minister there for? Chapter 4, verse 13. Verse 12, in fact. What's the minister there for? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. He had to equip God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. It's not the pastor teachers doing all the work. They're equipping others to do the work. That's radical, isn't it? People like me are there to equip people like you to use your gifts. Who are the ministers here? Well, we all are. We all are. Um, if I could put it like this, church isn't a, a restaurant lots of those around King's Cross. It's more like the Waitrose Cookery School. Do you know that down uh, near Cold Drops Yard? We're not, this isn't a restaurant, it's a cookery school, um, if I can put it like that. Uh, Jesus has written the cookery book, and I teach you how to make it, and then we serve each other good feeds. We're to be people who feed each other, as we, how does verse 15 put it? As we speak the truth in love. In fact, in the original, it's even more general than that. Truthing in love. It's just a verb to truth. Truthing in love. Gospeling each other. Reminding each other lovingly what is true. Such a transformational idea. I've tried to put it in a diagram for you. Uh, you'll see it up on the screen. I hope it's understandable. What does Jesus do? He gives word ministries to the church so that the church is equipped for literally the work of service. And that work of service is truthing in love. And, and that's how the unity happens, which is on display to a watching spiritual world. So, you might ask, well, 
then what's my part in all this? What part am I supposed to play? And Paul doesn't give specific examples. He just wants church members to be truthing in love. And it's liberating because we might think that we need a defined role, you know, leading the teens group. And, and, and we might think if, if I'm not doing that, if I'm not leading a small group, if I'm uh, not leading uh, the uh, women's Bible study on a Thursday morning, then I'm, I'm not really, I'm not really having an opportunity to truth in love. I think Paul wants us to ask, well, where are the needs? Where are the needs? It's a real moment for us to stop and reflect. Um, maybe it's saying that we've been leaving to other people. Maybe it's saying that we've been leaving to the staff team. Such a challenge to our individualism. Do I, do I think it's all about me and Jesus? How can I share the truth? It doesn't have to be big and dramatic. Someone sent me a text the other day um, where the Bible was. It was encouraging. Someone told me during the week of prayer. I hope you're a part of that. It was, um, uh, it was the most exciting week. Someone told me during the week of prayer, saying that they were praying for me, the gospel truth. Um, someone started a training course on counseling. I overheard someone asking a child after the service what they learned at Scramblers. You know, true thing in love. Gospeling people. And it, it makes, a, makes a church resilient as well. You see in verse 14, no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. It, it makes us resilient. You know, maybe there'll be times when new teachings blow into the church. I've been at churches where people have said, um, people said those leaders haven't got a clue. And they've tried to set up a sort of church within a church and, and, and gather people around them uh, around some new teaching, something that they've come across that they think the church needs. Or, or they haven't liked the music, so they've started a campaign amongst the church leaders, to, uh, amongst the church members to get something changed. Um, who's going to solve that kind of thing? We think instinctively, well, well the pastor teacher needs to get involved. Uh, and there may be a place for that, but there's an intervening step. You see, the pastor equips every one of us to fix the church if things are going wrong. You see, there was a time when I thought that I was coming to church for the things that I could learn. And now I see that I'm coming to church to be equipped for loving truth-telling to other people. You know, the, the pastor can speak to so few people after the service, but together there's no one who can't be encouraged. Yeah. And that's our plan, and it's our mission, and it's our aim. Truthing in love. Uh, what did Paul pray for in verse 21? Glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. We, we get this sort of glory in Christ, but glory in the church? Really? Well, as we truth in love, then our church is built together into Jesus and we find this unity that is not available to other people in the world. And people start to notice and 
and the cosmic power starts to panic because like a like a butterfly squish you know with a, with a mirror image of god's plan his masterpiece and that's a sign that one day god will succeed in bringing all things in heaven and earth into unity under him that's precious Thank you for your master plan. Thank you for the safe for the blood. So centered on Jesus, the safe for the spirit. And I pray, Father, that we would be living out that truth in our church life. I pray we'd be living lives worthy of the calling that we have received. And so, Father, I pray that we'd be keeping unity. I pray that we would be gentle and patient and that we would bear with one another in love. I pray that we would be humble. And so, Father, I ask that as we enjoy the one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, so, Father, we would be equipped to serve one another, to prove one another in love. as a church and as individuals help us be committed to that purpose and we ask these things in your name Amen